From the Garrison Institute, this is Climate, Mind, and Behavior. I'm Eleanor Bennett. Each episode will explore groundbreaking intersections between climate change, resilience, contemplative practice, and human behavior. Pia Makling Malayao is the 27-year-old Secretary General of Katribu, a national alliance of indigenous peoples in the Philippines. She's also the Land is Life Regional Coordinator for South Asia and the Pacific. Land is Life is a global coalition of communities, organizations, and activists working together to protect the rights of indigenous peoples through things like food sovereignty, land rights, and climate action. The coalition comprises over 30 organizations across Africa, the Americas, and Asia Pacific, from small women's collectives to regional networks. This spring, Pia Makling Maliao was part of a group of Land is Life representatives at the United Nations Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. According to the UN Population Fund, there are about 370 million indigenous peoples in some 70 countries across the globe. And while this is only about 5% of the world's population, Land is Life says indigenous peoples speak 60% of the world's languages, live within 25% of the world's forests, and protect 80% of the world's biodiversity. On the last day of the conference, I met Pia Makling Maliao outside the United Nations headquarters in New York. Uh, we're here in the UN attending the UN Permanent Forum on Indigenous Issues. It's a two-week-long conference talking about the indigenous um, issues throughout the world. But we're also here in the New York as part of our Lakbay Lumad USA. It's a six-week um, journey, continuing journey of the indigenous peoples, particularly from southern Philippines in Mindanao, to seek for justice and peace um, in Mindanao and for all the indigenous peoples in the Philippines. We're here to bring about our stories, um, to bring about our experience, and to also share our demands to our government um, and its agencies, and also to gain support and solidarity from people around the world, particularly here in the United States. Thank you. And can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you first got involved in climate change and indigenous people's activism? I got involved with indigenous issues first because um, I grew up away from our indigenous territories. I grew up in Quezon City, which is um, about 12 hours away from our community. Uh, it's a city and um, indigenous peoples are actually discriminated um, there. But I, even with that discrimination, I enjoyed our culture, the dresses, the songs, um, the dance of our people. So I enjoyed going to our community gatherings um, on occasions. Uh, but as we go to our gatherings, it's not just the culture which we express during gathering because we also express the issues that each community in the Cordillera region experience. So that's where I um, got to know that our territories, our ancestral lands are being um, plundered by mining corporations, um, mostly dominated by foreign corporations, which doesn't really benefit not just our community, but um, the entire Filipino people because most are being um, exported. And I found out that um, not just one river, but a lot of rivers has been affected because of the um, operations of these um, mining corporations. And that's how I started. So when I was already in college, 
or even in high schools, we uh, we got to know about um, climate change, what causes it, and it's not really the the small acts or the act actions that the people um, individuals do, but it's more of the um, corporations, the big greedy corporations' activities. And these uh, corporations are also to be found within our ancestral territories. They are exactly the ones who are destroying our lands, um, removing all the trees and polluting all the waters. So I, I, I got to relate more that this climate change is not really far from the experience of indigenous peoples because this is actually directly related to the issues being confronted by, by our community and um, also very linked to this issue of climate change and resource extraction and resource plunder is of course the militarization of our communities because we are indigenous communities and we are resisting to fight for our land um, and our resources and our community's integrity. That's why uh, with our resistance, we m meet a lot of repression coming from the government as well as from in connivance with the um, uh, corporations who are of interest of our lands. And can you remember, I don't know if there was an exact moment for you, but if there was, can you talk a little bit about the moment that you made the connection between climate change, degradation of the environment, and sort of the happiness of your community? Well, for the indigenous peoples, land is life. So when we have our land, we have a secure life. We have um, a dignified community. So we have happiness and we, f uh, we have fulfillment of our life when we have security with our lands and resources, when we are able to practice our right to self-determination over our ancestral territories. That means um, to be able to implement our traditional economy, our, our livelihood, um, which is based on just consuming what you need and um, for the community, sharing it with the community and not just for the interest of the few. Land is also a source of our culture and the culture um, makes everything um, colorful with uh, our lives as indigenous people. So this, all three components are all rooted to, to our land. And what do your friends back home think of what you're doing? There are those, uh, I have a lot of friends whom I've met because of the continuing movement and the struggle that we are doing. So we are friends along the struggle. So we have common, um, common ideas on how we want to develop our land based on the need of the people, based on the need of our community. And so we have a lot of commonalities. But I have also friends who are... Uh, whom I met uh, during school or of our neighbors in the city, um, they still don't know much about this issue. So it's a continuing challenge as well for me to, um, to continuously discuss, not just to the general public, but also to my friends, this kind of issues that we are fighting for, we are standing for. I want to go back to your childhood for a second and talk a little bit about what it was like growing up in your community. What did it look like? What were some of the traditions and did you grow up with a spiritual background? I was born in our land, in our community, but uh, before I turned uh, one, we transferred to the city. So I grew up in Quezon City. I, I had my elementary and high school education there. So it was only every vacation in summer and in Christmas that I, we go home to our community, to our ancestral lands. 
So for me, it's um, it's like you're an indigenous person who have been slowly stripped off of your identity because you were um, you you are far from the land and from the community. So every time we go home, it's a it's a trip of going back to your roots and. During community gatherings, that's usually in summer, there I can um, experience even the rituals that our elders are performing. And the, the spirituality of indigenous peoples in our community really regards land as our life. And um, there are a lot of values that we have uh, from this relation of our community with our, our, with our lands. Like, you only consume what you need. And... Land is something that you don't own because land has surpassed even before the existence of man. So it was already there even before you. So you cannot really own land. It's the land who owns us. And another value that we have is that we just borrowed uh, these lands to our future, uh, to, the gen uh, to the next generation. So while we are utilizing these lands, we want to make sure that we will still be able to maintain its integrity and return it to the rightful owners, which is the next generation. So another value, particularly in um, in our community, adim bukudan and gawis, the good things you should be able to share. Don't just keep to yourself good things. Whatever gift the land can give you, you should share it with your neighbors and with your community. So in your personal life, do you have a spiritual practice um, usually when I wake up in the morning, I thank for the day that has come. And when I eat and I consume food, I thank for um, all the hands that have labored for those food to come about and for everything that I am consuming uh, to be available for me. And that's honoring those who have worked for it, right? Also, part of indigenous people's spirituality is really... Honoring your ancestors and the works of your ancestors. But in this time where we are indigenous people struggling for our rights, we have, not, uh, we, own, we have our ancestors and we have our martyrs and heroes who have bravely fought and led our communities against um, destructive mining or dam projects within our communities or against the militarization of our communities. So every time I remember um, the lives and the labor of these people, it's um, a, cons a constant um, inspiration. Um, and a source of strength for me to continue the work that I am doing and knowing that there are people um, whose work contributes to whatever I am consuming. So that also gives me strength to move forward with the work that we are doing. Thank you. And as a young woman myself, I'm really curious if you have any advice for young women in any culture taking action on these issues. So they said that being a woman, you're already subjected to double the oppression because you're, you're subjected, for the context of the Philippine society, you're already subjected with the oppression by the, those who are of interest of your lands, the, the state repression. And as women, you also face another form of violence, right? So being a young woman, uh, it's, a, it's really a big challenge, but we should take the challenge. Um, because, you know, it's very, uh, the youth has a very uh, big role um, in changing this world. We know that uh, we are facing a lot of crisis in our own communities, in different contexts. And our role as youth is really to change this um, situation 
for the benefit of, of the majority of the people. The youth has a lot of potentials because the youth has energy, the youth has more time, and the youth has um, the skill and enthusiasm. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense to me. So the organization I work for is called the Garrison Institute. So we actually bring spiritual leaders in from all over the world. So from Asia, from the West, from our backyard, from New York, um, in all kinds of traditions. And they come and they lead these retreats. And the hope is that by cultivating your inner spirituality, then you're better able to go out in the world and make a positive difference. And so I'm wondering if, if you think that contemplative practices, things like prayer and meditation and any other spiritual practice have a role in activism. Because generally I think we think of activism as political rallies out in the street. Is there a way to combine both of those things? Knowing yourself, your internal, is very important because you will be able to place yourself um, in the movement. So contemplating is very important. Um, knowing your strength, um, your weaknesses, what are the baggages in you that you have to address? What are the main issues that mainly affects you and your growth? So identifying those is very important. And then the next step would be linking this, um, this, this knowledge, this experience about yourself into the wider context. That's the most um, important thing. Because when you just focus on yourself and your reflection about yourself and really don't connect this to the bigger context, what bring about this uh, situation inside you, you won't be able to um, address the bigger context. And changing your attitude, your disposition is important because this will make uh, positive energy for you to be able also to contribute um, a good and positive energy towards a social movement, right? So that's the linking that is very important. And my last question for you is, can you think of a moment and kind of walk me through what happened that was triumphant for you, where you were like, this is why I do this work and I want to keep fighting? Back back in the 1980s. Well, I wasn't alive then. But you know, it was a very big struggle that our community faced. Um, it was against the World Bank Chico Dam. So it's a mega dam to be built um, in the river next to our province. And the whole nation in the whole Philippines united against that dam. International support also came about and uh, pressured uh, against the construction of the dam. So it was in the 1980s, it was a long struggle, it took more than 10 years, but we succeeded as a people to oppose this dam. So the dam never was never built, built in the Chico, Chico River. So every time I go home and I see, um, I see our rice fields, I see our house just near the river and see how freely the river still flows and nurture our lands, it's really... Um, a very inspiring moment because um, I can I can imagine the lives who have been spent in defending our lands. So the literal flowing of the river symbolizes the freedom of the people. Another victory is that the growing number of people who are supporting our cause, not just in the Philippines but um, throughout the world. So every time we meet people of different colors believing in what we are struggling for, 
people supporting our cause, people giving resources to us, people giving support statements to our cause. That's a victory that we see as part of our struggle. And personally, are you hopeful moving forward into the future? Yes, I am. Because it's the only thing that we can also hold on to. Two things. It's um, hope for a better future, for especially for the next generation. And the victory of our ancestors is also a source of inspiration for the, for the youth. Thank you. Um, and if someone wanted to support your organization, where would they go? How would they do that? Yeah, so we have a website, www.katribu.org. We have a Facebook page, which would be complicated for non-Filipino speakers, but it's um, Kalipunan ng Katutubong Mamamayan ng Pilipinas. It's Katribu, meaning Convergence or Alliance of Indigenous Peoples in the Philippines. Or you can just go to the Philippines and try to, to find us because, you know, visiting our communities, it will inspire you more and it will show you the people's lives. Yeah, you can feel for firsthand. And we do facilitate um, community visits. Uh, it, this is part of sharing our experiences and also learning from others. And it's also a source of inspiration and a source of strength for our community, especially those who are facing a lot of issues right now. Piag, thank you so much for meeting me here today. Thank you as well, and to all the listeners, thank you. To learn more about the Garrison Institute's Climate, Mind, and Behavior Program, visit garrisoninstitute.org, where you can also listen to an archived podcast of this show, join our mailing list, and sign up for our monthly email newsletter, delivering the latest research and programs from around the world that promote resilience in a changing climate right to you. Our theme music is composed by Zoe Keating. You can find her music on iTunes or on her website, zoekeating.com.